0: Hello you, Graham Norton here. What a smashing Sunday we had here on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Let's see what's in store today. De DuCrow, for it is he, joins me live in the West Cork studio for a very special Sunday session. So Brian May tells me all about his remastered solo album Starfleet Project and his Queen Will Rock You In 3D exhibition and of course, Maria McCurlin is with me, ripping open envelopes so that we can get to the bottom of your dilemmas in Graham's Guide.
1: Morning, Maria. Good morning, Graham Norton. Happy Sunday to you. And you, yes.
0: Uh, by the way, I should tell the listeners, if we hear any <laughs> odd noises during this, uh, well, we yeah. can blame Raffy the dog, but it's probably going to be uh, Keen to Crows in the building getting ready
1: to Keen to Crows is, is warming up. He's doing he's his warm-up in, up in well, the other
0: actually, room. Do you know, he's such a big star now, it's not even him. It's uh, someone pretending to be him is doing the warm-up. It's up. a roadie. Yeah, it's, it's some sort of some sort of roadie. You're quite <laughs> right. It's some someone with a large key ring, and uh, he's doing that. And I think Key is walking in the mean streets of Bandon, just getting ready, just getting ready, centering himself for his life for later.
1: <laughs> I love that you're in Bandon. Hey, Graham, I went to a lovely restaurant last night. Shall I tell <gasps> you? Oh,
0: do. And name it's- it so you get a discount next time. <laughs>
1: A <laughs> yay! It's called Bait with a B A Y T E. And it's in at St. Leonard's on the King's Road. And it started by B A Y T E. Why are you, you saying why? It,
0: well, it just I just thought when you said bait, I thought that's a seafood restaurant and it'll B A I T. No. No.
1: You've seen okay. They've gone a little different. It's Ruby Bollyoni and Sylvie Pink- Pilkington who have started it, and it looks beautiful. And the food is delicious. Things like mussels in cider butter and sea cream capaccio, yes. <laughs> and tempura monkfish. Mm, so it is a sea- It is lots. a seafood.
0: Re- it is a seafood restaurant. Well,
1: no, they they so also they- do meat.
0: Oh, oddly. okay. They, okay. They, Hence they the why. Hence you can the why. Yeah. Pork
1: shoulder in onion broth, and and they and they do vegetarian things. That's I enough. That's mean, have enough you, now. Have you, ta- have very, you taken it's... Have you
0: taken a laminated menu home?
1: <laughs> no, this is just from memory because everything's so delicious. But um, I will leave that there, and people can visit it as and when they wish to. Yes. And also, I've got a recommendation because it's the holiday season coming up, isn't it, Graham? We're so, re- re- heights of um, summer. It, yes. Yes, I just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> laugh out loud. Um, it's a book by John Niven, his first foray, I believe, into um, non-fiction, and it's called Oh Brother. And it's a really good memoir. It's... Uh, funny and sad and beautifully written and everybody will enjoy it. It's John Niven. People who know John Niven know that he normally does quite sweary things, but this is a bit sweary, but it's also true and lovely and must have been very hard for him to write. And okay, so I know that, that I know books.
0: that uh, yes I know that that's a genuine recommendation because you actually you told me a few weeks ago how great that book was so I know that you really mean it. Exacto
1: yeah. I thought I would share it with the Virgin yes. Radio listeners. Well done, you. And I watched the the Sinead documentary last night. Have you <gasps> Isn't seen Isn't it
0: great? isn't it good oh
1: it's so it made my heart hurt actually because it's so it's like oh i wish people had looked after her better and yet she was not needing looking after it's such a dichotomy because a very vulnerable woman and yet a very strong woman it's that strange thing isn't it that people they all know better not go near that but um, you know, ahead of her time, and again, it made me sad. It's a great loss. When did you watch it? Did you watch it when, before you interviewed um, the director?
0: Yeah, I watched it before. I watched it quite a long time ago because actually, it was it it came out in in sort of on streamers last year, so it's only coming onto Sky now. Um, so I watched it before, I talked to Catherine, and then uh, on Wednesday we got you know the, you know the news came out and. Uh, we were sort of sitting there, kind of. We watched it again. We <laughs> we watched it again because we weren't in the mood to watch anything else. And uh, yeah. and what's odd about it is because it's all about that particular period of her, in her life, kind of ending in the early nineties. It's 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 sort of. Timeless. You don't. You know. It's there's an odd thing about it. It's almost like they knew she was gone when they made it. If you know what I mean. It's it's like it's made uh, following the announcement of her death. I, I just thought yeah. it's a great documentary, and and some of the footage is amazing. Those.
1: I think Weird. it's on now TV as well as the one that you mentioned. And
0: Freeview Channel something. Someone else te- texted yeah. in yesterday. So and I hope lots Nothing of people watch it.
1: It's really worth a watch. It's, um, you know, a beautiful film and a beautiful soul and misunderstood and all of those words. But also funny and happy soul. Let's remember that Sinead wasn't just troubled. I'm slightly bored with all of this mental illness. Yeah. Yes, she had a troubled life, but she was also funny and clever and enjoyed life and was. Yeah. To the yeah, picture. and love laughing
0: okay. and love laughing and all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um I I weirdly I I you know I went down a kind of YouTube rabbit hole as well and was watching things, and some of the clips from my own show came up, and it was just her laughing, and it was really lovely to see. Really lovely to see. Yeah. Uh, Maria McCurlin, go find some letters. And I will. I've got and, two. Oh, two? Well, I'll try and <laughs> squeeze them both in. Virgin Radio. Number one, oh, please. That is me.
1: That is yes, me. dear yes, Graham yes, and Maria. Yes. Okay, dear Graham and Maria, letter one. I live on a road where all our neighbors get on very well and we look out for each other. However, there is one neighbor who has started feeding foxes and attracting them to our properties. This has been going on for a few months now and has resulted in them leaving a mess in our gardens, digging deep holes, and disturbing our dogs. A while ago, I asked the neighbour politely whether he would kindly stop feeding the foxes. However, he was very defensive and said that no one else had complained. Following our conversation, he walked away muttering and I hoped that he would take the hint. Hmm. However, it doesn't seem to be the case as my husband has seen the neighbour still throwing food from his door when he thinks no one is looking. We have a neighbourhood WhatsApp group chat, and while several (laughs) people have complained about the foxes, no one wants to speak up. I suspect that getting the neighbour to stop feeding the foxes might be a lost cause, so any suggestions on how we might keep them away from our garden would be very welcome. And that is from Angela in North London. Angela in North London, you know, I have to tell you, I'm a little conflicted about this because, you know, we all, it's one planet, we all have to live together, etc., I mean, whilst you don't want to encourage necessarily, foxes are part of urban life and indeed city life. You're in North London. And we kind of have to coexist. You know, they they come out at night. You're asleep. It's like we know our roles in the world. They come, Then they're still going to come into the garden, whether he feeds them or not. I mean, I've got a neighbour who feeds them and gives them flea treatments and all sorts of things like that and... Um, you know, all of that. And then also has had three lots of cubs that he also feeds each year. And, you know, he thinks he's doing a good thing. Other people might disagree. It's a nice thing perhaps to do. You know, I don't know. Foxes can be a nuisance, but they're also part of life. It's If it's not the foxes, Angela in North London, it will be badgers. And as we know, badgers are protected. So if you have a badger hole, you can't fill it in. you got to let them be. And I kind of feel the same slightly about foxes they have come from the countryside into the city because the pickings there are better clearly your neighbor has lovely menu that he feeds them and so i i don't know about that i don't think he's going to stop feeding them how you stop them in your garden i don't know do you occupy your garden at night probably not how you stop the the dogs barking again it's just a part of life i sort of feel a bit hopeless on this one graham because um I don't well, know. I, I,
0: I think, well, I think, one, listeners will have a thing about, uh, you know, whether foxes are, uh, where, are they actual pests? Do the council have to get involved? That sort of thing. I'm sure there's some sort of deep dive you can do into all of that. I don't uh, think there is. Two, well, there's two things here. One, I'm kind of, I, I'm with you. I'm sort of convicted. One, I'm sort of furious with this stupid man and I want to go and scream at him. And then part of me is thinking, oh, if it makes him happy... <laughs> Just let him get on with it. You know, and I suppose that's what you need to weigh up, Angela. Does it annoy you more than it pleases him? You know, Aww. there's someone there's there's someone near us who um, feeds pigeons. And yeah. they're out there all the time. And, you know, I always imagined that it would, you know, I imagined it would be, look like Brenda Fricker in Home Alone 2. You know, yes. that, that sort of person Not would be doing it.
1: Feed the birds, that sort of thing. That
0: kind of thing. And in fact, it's a perfectly sort of normal looking man. <laughs> just i just like feeding pigeons and it does annoy me and uh, you know Bailey was my old dog was mad for bread so he would go and kind of be eating the bread and that would annoy me but then i had to kind of calm myself down and kind of go look that it's obviously this guy's pleasure It's what brings him, it's what sparks joy in him is Hmm. seeing lots of pigeons flapping around and, you know, loving him for giving them bread. So if that's what pleases this man is seeing the foxes show up, up in his garden... If that if you if you imagine angela that that pleases him more than annoys you then you have to make your peace with it otherwise you have, Graham, to, you have to get the other you have to get the other neighbors involved that's the other yeah, if you want yeah, to no, pursue this gonna, that, then you've got to show happen. him you've got to show him the messages in the whatsapp group going look i'm the mouthy one but trust me everyone's annoyed with you um uh, no,
1: yeah. also i think grim if that's the only thing you're worrying about your life is pretty good you know because Everything annoys us, loud noises, the car's going too fast, whatever. Everything can annoy you if you let it. Yeah. But if you kind of, you know, turn your face away and just think, oh, well, you're right, it gives him joy. And foxes are creatures of habit. You know, my friend who's done three lots of, cubs they come back year after year they come back and I, that does give him a huge <laughs> amount of joy i know but then they they f- he knows where their little den is and you know they're safe and blah 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 and we do have to coexist it's just another form of uh, why why isn't life the way i want it to be and life yeah. will never be the way you want it to be if that is what you're writing to us about
0: fair enough i do think uh, listeners will have a kind of sensible, practical things about keeping foxes out of the garden that we don't know. You know, sort of like... Putting down salt and vinegar crisps or something. You know, some. Oh, there'll no, be they some love those. They love there'll those. be some sort of weird way of keeping fox out of your garden. I 8 mean, what are you do?
1: Put traps down. Sorry. Sorry. No, sorry. You're, no, not you're trying traps. to finish not, this Yes. Now. Well,
0: I really am. I'm really trying to make you shut up. Uh,
1: 8 <laughs> and I'm still wanging on. Blah, blah, oh, blah, blah,
0: blah, blah. Shut up! <laughs> not you, Kian. <laughs> Our responses are part one. And my favorite responders today will be getting <gasps> Waitrose Summer Laird Summer Pudding. Oh, it looks delicious. White bread pudding layered with blackberries, raspberries, strawberries, and blackcurrants with a fruit puree sauce. Oh, <gasps> yes, someone's going to get that. What should she do? And if the foxes are here to stay, i.e., you can't stop the man feeding them, uh, what can she do to keep them out of her garden? Well, apparently, this is from Rachel and Buckingham, but we've had loads of texts saying the same thing. Basically, male peepee. You need a man, Angela to go and pee in your garden. And apparently, that deters foxes. Okay? Wild wee-weeing, wing is the way forward. That's it. Out there, you know, before you go to bed, last pee of the night, save it up and uh, get out there and that'll keep the fox away. That's what I'm told. I don't know. Um, the neighbours might start complaining about that as well. Angela, your husband is always out in the garden peeing. Please stop it. Angela, you say they're disturbing your dogs. Foxes are from the dog family. Now, they are. So why shouldn't they be fed any more than your pet dog? Maybe this man thinks in that way and you need to just think of it from another person's perspective. Now, weirdly, foxes aren't from the dog family, are they? Because there's a weird thing where wolves and dogs can breed and produce puppies, but dogs and foxes cannot produce puppies. I know that for a fact. That's a fact, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know about the weeing in your garden, but dogs and foxes cannot have pups. There you go. Uh, That was, by the way, Victoria of Stratford Haven. Uh, Dr. Helen in Preston. It's a doctor, everyone. She must know what she's talking about. Foxes do not like strong acidic smells and like the dark. So you can get motion sensor lights to scare them away and spray a solution that has got garlic chili in it or your husband's pee. And there are more significant things like fox repeller that sends out high frequencies the foxes don't like to hear, but that's extreme. Or just accept it's a blessing seeing animals, and it is. I I, I don't like them, but I, it's lovely when you see a little fox. Uh, my suggestion is to ban talking about the fox problem on the WhatsApp group. Then see if it's still bothering you so much in a few weeks. Sometimes we can wind each other up in a WhatsApp group and make a problem seem more than it is. If it remains an issue, then you'll know it's important. Wise words from Judy from Whitney and Carol and Brian are in Tintagel. 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 Oh, they're in Cornwall anyway. Um, isn't that what, Tintagel? Isn't that where they had? Uh, King Arthur? I don't know. Anyway, uh, hi, Graham and Maria. Regarding the fox problem, we encroached upon the land that foxes have inhabited for so many years. Can we blame them for encroaching upon what we now view as ours? The person complaining should let the foxes be. I feel like there should be a wind chime at the end of that uh, comment there. Uh, Now, Carol and Brian have really gone, they've gone very, very feral down in Cornwall. (laughs) Chewing a bit of bark. Uh, um, I tell you what, I'm, Rachel and Buckingham, because you were the uh, the first one with the, the the boy pee solution. You can have the Waitrose Summer are layered, some pudding. But if you're eating it outside, be careful where you put your picnic blanket. I would say it's obviously quite, quite relaxed at Rachel's house. I tell you. Graham's
2: guide.
1: <laughs> um. Okay, here's letter number two, dear Graham and Maria. I am a single mum of two children, a 20-year-old boy and a 17-year-old girl. I have a partner of five years who I don't live with and the children see their dad quite regularly. But my daughter has frequently told me she thinks I don't want to spend time with her and that I don't care about her. She sees me spending time with my partner at weekends and occasionally we go away as a couple. We invite her with us, but she mostly refuses. We've taken her with us numerous times and even abroad after her GCSEs. But when she's been away with us, she doesn't speak to us and frankly is no company. We took her away to Brighton for the night for her birthday recently, but she wore her earbuds most of the time, making conversation impossible. She makes no effort with me and wonders why I don't go out of my way to spend time with her. Now I have the dilemma of what to do going forward. Any future trips with my partner will upset her, but any offer of inclusion will be dismissed. Why can't she accept that he is part of my life and in no way deflects from the love I have for her? And that is from Sonia in Warnham. I think it's Warnham or Warnham. No, Warnham. Um, Sonia, I would say to you... Your daughter, A, 17-year-old girls are tricky because you've got puberty, you've got all those hormones, Its teenage years are very hard anyway, and that your daughter is very angry with you. She was only 12 when you split up with her father and you, you know, threw a hand grenade into the family and now she has to go and see him and blah, blah. she probably doesn't like your new partner just out of spite anyway. She probably hasn't even spent time with him or or she has but not got to know him and so she's cross with you and she's just uh, showing you how cross she is with you how furious she is one thing is she's 17 she's not going to be with you forever and the second part of it is you need sonia to spend a lot of time alone with your daughter um because you, you, need. it's all very well taking her with you at the couple's weekend and this, that and the other where she sp- feels like a spare wheel but she wants mum time She and whilst it might be difficult initially because she's got into this habit she wants mum time you have to be honest with her and you have to say I love you so much I want to re-engage our relationship I know it's been difficult with dad and with the new partner who maybe you don't like but let's try and hang out and let's be honest with each other she doesn't think that you want to spend time with her and that you don't care about her. You, Sonia, are the adult here and you have to convince her otherwise. So maybe, you know, a weekend here and there with the partner gets uh, replaced by some time away with just you And your daughter. And you could actually also engage your 21 year old boy because he might be a good third wheel to add. He's been through it too, but he's a little bit older, a little bit more accepting perhaps. So just do things as a family as it was without dad, obviously, and spend time asking her how you can make this better how you can have a relationship she's not going to be with you for very much longer so to sacrifice a few weekends going away with the new partner not new five years and will make a world of difference when she sees you doing that putting her first i think that's where the problem is graham yeah it's a weird letter sonia because i feel like
0: what Sonia's describing is it's kind of like someone that you used to be friends with, kind of like, oh they're not a good company anymore. You know, hardly talks to me. Da, 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 da. It's like this is your daughter. Like she doesn't have to be nice to behaved. <laughs> she's your daughter. The idea is you're supposed to love her unconditionally and and communicate that. Whereas Sonia, she's kind of like well, it's not much fun hanging out with my sister, my daughter. She's, you know, she's not very good. like. It, I don't think that's the deal. I I think you know you your daughter should understand that no matter what no matter how grumpy and horrible and you know sulky she is you are going to be there for her and i think she doesn't think that because i don't think maybe that's true so mm-hmm. i i think maria's right on you you do need to do a, i would say it's not weekends i think you need to say right before you leave school let's have one family holiday and it's you and her and maybe the, the brother if he wants to come too and go away for a week or two weeks where it's just you, no partners, no ex-dads and see what happens during that and yeah, there'll be time in that holiday for some sulking, there'll be time for sitting around earbuds but hopefully there'll be some time for actual conversation where mm. you can... meet. You know, I'm, you- I'm,
1: slightly, I'm slightly getting, Graham that the, the new partner is not keen on her and Sonia is putting new partner's feelings above uh, daughter's and daughter knows that and so daughter knows that she doesn't get on with the partner and that she doesn't really like him and that he doesn't really like her and so you know of course she doesn't want to come away and she's obviously still got difficult feelings for her dad and feelings of guilt if she hangs out with her so all of that so you just have to I mean, I don't want you to do it forever, Sonia, because she, she won't be around forever. She'll leave home and go and do her own thing. But for the last few years that you have her, I do think prioritise yeah. her over the partner.
0: I think that one of the problems too at 17 is looks like an adult and kind of, you know, it's like can pass for adult. And so I think in your head you think they're more grown up than they are but actually she's still a kid and this thing happened you know this man came into their life into her life when she was 12 i mean terror you know uh, this isn't your fault on you but you know that's that's not great timing out of thought for uh, a little girl to have her daddy replaced when she's 12 and yeah. so uh, I think be a bit kinder to her, Sonia, because it's be, this won't have been easy for her. And, you know, of course she's acting out. Why wouldn't she act out? Because she's a kid. So I think hang in there and be a bit more of a mother uh, for a few more years. And then hopefully your relationship can recover and get back to some sort of something, I don't know, that you both enjoy and it's not hard work. But for right now, Sonia, I think you need to put in the hard work. I, w- hmm. I would say. I mean, anyway, what do I know? Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a mother of a seventeen-year-old. Our responses, part two, and again, my favorite responders will be getting that delicious Waitrose summer layered summer pudding (gasps) fruit puree sauce you say let's start with carol from long eaten sonia continue to invite your daughter to joint activities with your new partner but also make time just for you and both of your children you may not you may not like your daughter's behavior but you love her and you need to really make the effort to open that relationship up while she's at home if your relationship is strong it will last whilst you concentrate on your children at this unsettling time Claire in Glasgow. You sound angry with your daughter, but you have no right to feel that way. In fact, she's angry with you, and that's totally understandable. Make them feel like you actually want to spend time with them, because that's not how it sounds in your letter. You need to start working to repair and improve your relationship now before she is pushed further away, and in 10 years' time, you hardly see her and you're missing her desperately. Family therapy would definitely be a benefit to give you space to reflect on all of this together. Actually me and Maria are normally very keen to send people to um to therapy. But no, we didn't in this case. Uh, and Kate in Melton Mowbray uh, firstly, mom's new partner doesn't live with them, so surely mom and daughter do spend time together. Secondly, her daughter is seventeen, so she may be off to university next year. But either way, it won't be long until she's an adult probably won't want to be tied to her mom's apron. At the end of the day, Mama's entitled to be happy and shouldn't be guilt-tripped by the daughter. Mama spent 17 years going out of her way to make her children happy. It's time to sit her daughter down and explain this to her. And finally, Mike and Chester, my now-wife and I came together 11 years ago with two children on each side from our previous marriages. We made a conscious decision to devote investment and effort to giving our kids the best opportunity to get to know their new siblings by taking them all on holiday, family meals, etc., etc., it has not been plain sailing, but now they are accepting and are on our extended family. Well, well done you, Mike, for getting that right. Uh, I am going to give the uh, the Laird Summer Pudding to Carol from Long Eaton. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio so exciting now, the glamour, the excitement of show business here in the back keys in Bandon County Cork, <laughs> <laughs> the smell of damp carpet tile in the air, uh, it's time to say hello to Key and DeCrow. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm really well. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Uh, no, it's great. Uh, so we're in in uh, West Cork, uh, but you're just East Cork. You're just on the just other side of the city. Just East Cork. Yeah, Although yeah.
2: it's called Passage West, so... That's confusing. Very confusing. Quite yeah. Irish. Quite Irish,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what a time to be a to grow. Finally, the debut album is coming out. And it does feel like finally the debut album. Like you've been yeah. around, you've had those big singles. Yeah. Um, was there a reason why you waited this long? Or tell us about it. Um, well, you, you kind of just have to be... Uh
2: successful enough for anyone to buy your album, (laughs) you know? So until someone will buy your album, then there's no point in putting it out. But then it's, it also is more like, you know, from the point when I knew I was making an album, it was quite, I was given quite a short amount of time to make it. It was maybe like only two months that I had. But then you have to submit an album like six or seven months before it can come out because of vinyl pressing. So it's so, yeah, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of long, but it was also kind of short in a way as well.
0: But also, I mean, it's so weird that vinyl are now come is back I full know. circle again, and that's, which is great. But are you one of those, because you're a singer-songwriter, so do you have, like, a huge drawer of songs ready to go?
2: Um, yeah, but they're not all good, you know? Okay, so, so things
0: that you used to like, you're thinking, I'm not putting that in my... Yeah, know, I
2: know. Book. So there's yeah. uh, on this album, there's probably, like, two songs that maybe I wrote, like, three years ago that were kind of being saved and held on to, that I was kind of like, maybe when I make an album, these would yeah, 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 yeah. be like, feel like they would be good on an album. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's never going to see the light of day. Um, but then like, yeah, most of the rest of the stuff was kind of new. I kind of just knew like what I wanted to write. But it also is often like off of experience of like, oh, those all songs that you've written where you're like, that wasn't quite it, but maybe I can try again and I'll, and I'll get it, you know.
0: And because your life has changed as your songwriting changed, if you know what I mean, because you know your day to day experience now is mm. so different and your your're touring and yeah. you're you're doing things like this da, da, da. so are you right do you find you're writing about different things
2: yeah, now I just write about
0: like Diamond necklaces yeah. Losing and like, my luggage, and, loo- yeah. yeah. <laughs> they ran out. They ran out of champagne in the first case of Ireland, Yeah, so. you
2: know, I'm just like, you know, um, driving around in my G wagon and stuff. So it's it's kind of harder to be relatable. <laughs> um, no, I think it's like, I don't know. I feel like I've always kind of written about the same things and written about... It's definitely, like, when I think about writing my second album, I'm kind of like, hmm, I need to, like, stop touring and, like, do some things to, like, have stuff to write about. But I also write a lot about my past and my childhood. So I think I have always something there that is, like, kind of what I pull from and where I go and, like, so many different experiences and and things that I can talk about there. So I kind of feel like I'm just, I don't know, like, starting to, like... Write it as much as I can about that, and, and and kind of picking and choosing like what parts I want to open up and how much, and and eventually yeah. like you know let people get to know me as much as they can, kind of. So,
0: yeah. And the the album victory because we listen to music in such kind of different ways now. We just listen to songs. Have you put this album together as a thing? If you know what I mean? Do has it got a shape?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think like, I mean, you always are trying to figure out like what the best order is. Uh, pff, I don't know if there is a best order. I think, like, you, you you put an order in for so many different reasons. I think the interesting thing about the album is, like, that there's probably a lot of songs on there that will kind of troll people a bit and be like, oh, I wasn't expecting a song to sound like that, or, you oh, know. Okay. So that's kind of a little bit more, um, just kind of, like, different, you know. And so I think it was about also figuring out where to put those songs that would kind of, you know, spike the the interest of the listener who's listening through, and then suddenly they're like, ooh, What's this beat? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's this doing here? So I think uh, there was a lot of that, and then there was also a lot of just kind of a little bit of chronological thinking, and you know, stuff like that. So, but um, yeah, I don't know. I guess some of it is a bit random as well, or what sounds good next to what as well. And yeah.
0: Stuff. Uh, is your brother in the
2: music industry? Uh, yeah, kind of. He well, he's in the classical music industry. So that's, that's kind different. of where you,
0: you trained classically, right? Yeah. So okay. I yeah,
2: so I was like a, a classical flute player.
0: It's and, pretty swag. But like proper. Like you went to the Royal Academy. Yeah, and yeah. like serious vibes. Yeah. Real serious. I and like, when did you kind of think, no, not my vibe? <laughs>
2: um It was kind of a mix of reasons. I mean, I always was doing like both, you know, I always, I think I always knew like really I want, this is what I wanted to do. But I don't know, I think it was eventually just got to a point when I was in the Royal Academy where I was just like, I was so strict and so like just it wasn't about music anymore and it was very like, I don't know, I I just wasn't, I felt like I was losing love for music okay, while I was yeah. there which was kind of strange when you're at one of these like supposed to be amazing schools for music and, and then I went on this like trip to LA for like some songwriting and stuff and I felt like there was just an energy there that was just kind of like all just about music and love. Mm-hmm. Not that it is that there all the time but just this certain experience that i had had and i kind of just got this buzz and excitement and i was like oh like there's i also had some essays due when i was going back <laughs> and i was like there's no way that i'm writing those essays before i go back so i'm just going to drop out
0: um, and uh, to celebrate the the launch of victory the album you're doing some busking in cork is this right
2: yeah i am doing some uh well it's i don't know if it's i would call it busking but it's it's
0: close enough to that yeah Concert on a corner. That concert on that. a corner, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, let's
2: yeah. call it busking. <laughs> 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 Hopefully I won't have my case out, you know. Uh, but it, And this is where you used to busk in Cork? Yeah, this is uh, like, I basically used to, I mean, I used to busk at any corner I could get, basically, in Cork, you know. You'd be battling for, like, the spots, so you have to come in nice and early. Um, but yeah, that was like my busk and then get a sandwich,
0: you know. Because I, I don't think onto to... Like busking is serious business. Serious business. In Ireland. Oh, like, very serious. Like there's, you know, there are yous out there. There are really good people. Yeah, so uh, it's a, it's a yeah. very
2: intense business. Yeah. And you make a lot of friendships from it. Like most of my like friends that I had for a long time, we were all just like from busking or like you'd see someone busking and be like... Especially in Cork, because it's small. you are like, I've never seen you before. Who are you?
0: And then you become mates and you make a band, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I suppose people listening want to know, okay, that's great. Very good busker. Very good. How the hell do you you make that leap? What happened to you? Did someone spot you? Or were you plugging away, knocking on doors? Basically, just plugging
2: away, knocking on doors for like 10 years or more, you know? It takes, I think like I started making... um, Sort of, I, I kind of knew I wanted to be an artist and like figured out what that was and what that, I mean, I knew for a long time when I was a kid, you know, I would just like wanted to do, sing Michael Jackson songs and dance in front of the mirror and all that. And then but I think when I was about 13, I discovered like songwriting and, and, and busking and playing guitar and like all that kind of stuff. And I think I started then to realize, okay, you got to go on like social media. So I was pretty quick, like starting to try and grow a social media okay, following. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but I think like I was probably, yeah, let's say I was maybe like 13 or 14 when I started that. And I didn't sign a record deal till I was 23. So that's like 10 years of doing that. And even when you sign a record deal, like that doesn't really mean anything. Because then you have to like prove yourself. Yeah. And and then it was like, okay, I still need to like build a following by myself. I still need to do. There's so much that people don't realize. Like there's there isn't really any like magic person that can just come and be like, now you are successful and famous, yeah. you know? It's like, it doesn't matter if there's a record label involved or whatever, like, you just have to do it yourself. Like, you have to go and you have to get on social media, you have to write the songs, you have to push. And basically, you are the the driver of it, of the career. And in a way, it's kind of, like, liberating because you're like, okay, well, at least it's it's actually in your control, you know? Yeah. But it takes a really long time to go from, like, a street corner to... To not a street
0: corner, <laughs> and and uh, it's like because you you've had this kind of gift, I guess, in a way that you've done uh, support for big artists, so you've played those big yeah. kind of arenas and stuff. Uh, is there a kind of when you do that? Is there kind of like a one day this will be my crowd? They'll be here yeah. to see me.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think like you you think about that, and and then the more it kind of. I remember the first support tour I did was for this American band called Laney and I just remember being so excited to go on tour and mind blown and we played at the event of Apollo in London and it was like 5,000 people and like blew my mind and I was just like all I was thinking about was like one day this would be me and now in November we're playing at the event of Apollo Yay! which is crazy so that's like the when- end of the movie
3: you see it in the movies.
2: <laughs> so when we do all of the other, like when I'm doing like the stadiums and and the arenas and stuff, like I just think like you kind of just convince yourself. You're like, yeah, I'll be here soon, you know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's also such an amazing feeling to just to do that and get those experiences and, and also just to do it and feel comfortable in it and be like oh this is fine like I don't I'm not nervous so this will be chill you know yeah
0: yeah yeah um, and uh, sort of to take you slightly back to your busking days we ask everyone who does a Sunday session to do yeah. uh, a cover Yeah. so presumably when you were busking you did do some covers a
2: lot of only covers okay yeah, yeah.
0: you want a coin in the case yeah you want to whip <laughs>
2: out them real good just playing hallelujah over and over again that was the like or like fast Fast Car, Tracy Chapman. Those are the money makers. Luke Combs, he's now doing it. I, mean, I, he, I know. I know. Fast Car is like the most magical song. Like It's like if you sing Fast Car, that's it. I might have to do one in like
0: 10 years. Of yeah, own. do it. Yeah, just go back to Tracy Chapman's first album. Yeah, <laughs> just, just take all the tunes.
2: Uh, right, what have you chosen to do for us? Uh, I chose Say Something, which is by A Great Big World and Christina Aguilera. And it's just, you love the song? or I love the song and I also, I didn't know what I was going to play because I don't really remember the lyrics of any covers. And okay. then I just accidentally started playing it there earlier and I was like, that kind of sounds like that song say something. So I was like, I'll do that.
0: Catch that gorgeous cover on Virgin Radio Chilled. Uh, Victory is the album. Victory is the debut album of King of Crow. It is out on the 4th of August. And there's a, it's quite good that it's called Victory because that was a Victory tour. Yeah. Uh, that kicks off in September. Yeah. So you do Ireland first, is that right? No,
2: America first,
0: actually. Amer- well, why not? The US
2: of Yeah. So now we're doing Ireland at the moment, which is like a postponed tour from the previous tour. Okay. But then we start, yeah, in America for victory.
0: Um, and you, yeah, you've done America supporting people? Have you done a, a, your own gigs in America yeah, as well? Yeah, I've done it on my own as well uh, in March. I can't remember, but
2: a couple of months ago. Yeah, and it clearly went well. You're going back. Yeah, it was back. great. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. It's they so liked funny. you. Yeah. Yeah, America is a funny place, isn't it?
0: Well, it's a big place.
2: It's huge. Yeah. And everywhere, every city is so different. And just like, I think it's just weird to go to places where you've never been before, but people know who you are. I'm just like that doesn't make sense. How can you know who I am and I've never been in the city? Yeah. But you forget that social media exists, but it's just still weird to me, so.
0: And is that, because America it used to be kind of radio so important to America, you had to be mm. a certain sort of song to get on a certain sort of station to make it big in America. Yeah. But are you finding that's not the case now? People are finding your music in other ways.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, social media definitely crosses all those those lines and those boundaries, but we do, we do get some, some radio support there and stuff. I, I don't know the extent of it and I don't know the extent of the effect but i i definitely think like wherever i tour and i know that my songs are played on the radio you can notice that slight difference actually it's quite a big difference because i just think it's like the people who discover music on social media and listen to it on spotify or whatever but then that extra thing of hearing it on always on the radio you can just i don't know there's just this extra energy where they're like they just know it that bit better, you yes. know? And I don't know what it is because at your own shows, people always know your songs, like, word for word. But you can, it's almost like a, a confidence. It's almost like their confidence for the lyrics are a little bit higher because they're like, <laughs> well, I've heard it on the radio ten times today. So, like, I know that's the word. I'm not going to
0: hold back. Uh, and then, I know you're doing some European dates and then you come to the UK. Is that kind of the end of october uh, yeah, I think end of October, and then we finish in Ireland in December. Yeah. Okay. So if people want to, you're, and you're doing loads of gigs up and down the UK. Yeah. So if people want to find you, they just Google you, I guess. Or yeah, there... just
2: Google, go on my website, yeah. or just type in your city like Keen to Crow, Manchester, or wherever you or wherever you want yeah. to find you. Oh, know.
0: that's what I want to ask you. So when because on when we started playing you on Virgin and yeah. playing you a lot, uh, your name would come up, and I'd go Keen. Oh, where I, is that dusk? <laughs> in, dusk rot? What is it? Uh, where's is it? French? French, yeah. And my, so my what's French. What, so? Are you are some of your parents from France? Yeah, my mom, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, my mother
2: is French from Paris.
0: Okay, what brought her to to uh,
2: Ireland? Uh, she met an Irish man, and then he dragged her here, okay, unwillingly, pretty much. <laughs> um, and that was it, basically, yeah. And then she's just some for some reason stayed here. Uh, She met another lovely Irish man Very good Who doesn't even want to live here But for some (laughs) reason
0: my mum's kind of just
2: stuck here but hopefully she'll leave soon. <laughs> yeah.
0: When you make your millions. Yeah. Uh, yeah i buy are. her house in the sun. Yeah. Back in Paris, she'll have frothy coffees to her heart delight. Yeah. Uh, Keen, thank you so yeah. much for doing this. Thank you for having me. And uh, thanks to everyone who made this happen. It's unlikely that it's happened uh, here yeah, on the yeah. back. of abandoned. But it's here. Uh, good luck with everything. And seriously, thank you very much for doing this. Thank it's you so been, much. It's been lovely to meet you and lovely to chat to you. And, Likewise. Uh, continued success to you. Sir, yes sir, Brian May joins me to tell us about his remastered solo album of 40 years ago. But first, morning Martha, happy Sunday.
3: Hello, happy Sunday, Graham. How are you? I am good, thank you. Recovered from the Bloody Marys yesterday and fully into the real brunch today.
0: I know, I'm, I'm still feeling a lot of FOMO, some heavy FOMO. <laughs> oh. It's lovely to be here in Ireland, you know, we've got key and crow and everything, but still uh, a bit of FOMO. Uh, right, uh, what, how, what, 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 what are you doing with tomatoes today?
3: So we're turning tomatoes into a delicious breakfast dish today. So this is a tomato idu, which sounds maybe like something you've not heard of before, because I hadn't heard of it before. But it is a beautiful Indian twist on a shakshuka. And <gasps> I know. Brilliant for breakfast. We've got runny eggs, we've got jammy onions, loads of those vibrant tomatoes. It's a lovely uh, Malika Basu recipe who writes excellent Indian cuisine recipes. And yeah, it's a cracker.
0: All right. So this is a, would this be a traditional Indian breakfast?
3: So it's an Indian breakfast that hails from the Parsi community in India. So they make this and I can't see why it wouldn't be a national dish because it's so good.
0: (laughs) and is it because it looks i've seen a picture it looks like you know obviously the eggs are, are just done the eggs just happen in the moment but the the base with the tomatoes is that something that takes ages and ages should you do it the day before
3: i mean you could do it the day before it would definitely reheat really well without the eggs on top but it's only a kind of 30 30 to 40 minutes a little bit of stirring a little bit of time in the oven so not not too hands-on
0: OK. And in terms of uh, serving it, like because it's quite, <laughs> I mean, certainly in the picture, it looks quite runny. It looks quite juicy. So is it like flatbread? Is it a big thing of sourdough? What do you do?
3: Oh, exactly that. You want hot buttered rolls. You want maybe a bit of naan bread would work really nicely with this. And sourdough. Yeah, everything tastes good with sourdough. You want to be able to mop up all the juicy bits.
0: Okay. Um, I mean, it, it, and also, it's the sort of thing I think would really impress people. If came, people came over for brunch and this was on the table. You, oh, for sure. Yeah, they would go, wow, smell you and your tomatoes <laughs> and your beautiful fresh tomatoes. By the way, I didn't ask you yesterday, so is it just, is now just the, you know... The, when people pick tomatoes, is now just is there a glut of tomatoes at the moment?
3: I mean, there is. I mean, to be fair, usually we're, we're entering the sunshine season <laughs> in August. So the tomatoes have all been basking in the sun and they smell wonderful. I'm not quite sure if that's the case, considering the weather for the past couple of weeks. Um, but in the supermarkets, they taste great. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's August time. They're so good. I just have them on everything, just on toast, just with a little bit of olive oil and salt. Just oh, salt, salt
0: on a tomato <laughs> is just one of my favourite things in the world. It's just Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Off you go, Martha.
3: <laughs> we are ready. So first up, you want to heat up some oil or some ghee in a large saucepan and pick one that can go into the oven that has a handle that's not going to burn. So not a wooden so, handle.
0: OK, two things there. One, very good advice about the handle because often you forget and then you go, oh, damn, now it has to go into the oven, I can't go in. Uh, You've told me before,
3: what the hell's ghee? <laughs> ghee is a clarified butter. Okay. so it's a butter that's not going to normal regular butter will burn if you cook over too high a heat but ghee has had a lot of the milk solids removed so it won't burn as a lovely aromatic you can keep it in the fridge if you invest in it for this recipe you can use it again and again
0: Thank you very much, as you were, Miss Collison.
3: (laughs) So then we're taking an onion, a large white onion, slice that into kind of half moons and then chuck that into your pan with your ghee and then 10 minutes over a low heat. You just want to kind of sweat the onions off so they become nice and soft and they've got such a good aroma. Then we are going in with some cumin seeds. and This is where the kind of aromatics really start to dance Mm -hmm. around the kitchen because you've got the the cumin seeds going in a couple of minutes. Then we're going in with some garlic, some fresh ginger, which has been peeled and finely grated. Then... Turmeric and chili powder. So you've got all of these lovely spices. This will wake you up in the morning. It <laughs> I really will. You. By
0: the way, those cumin seeds. Did you put them in? Do you grind them or anything? Or just put them in whole.
3: They don't get ground. They get put in whole because they okay. kind of toast in the onion and the ghee. They fry for a little bit. They okay. kind of lovely. become nice and crispy, but not Gorgeous. too chewy. Lovely. Um, then we are taking instead of tin tomatoes. Now I love tin tomatoes. They're really practical and they're good to have in the cupboard. And you definitely can make this recipe with them. But Malika opts for fresh tomatoes. So you take a pack of Waitrose classic vine tomatoes, which are just so sweet and juicy at the moment take off all the green stalks and then finely chop them. So we're, we're basically making our own chopped in tomatoes. <laughs> so chop them up as fine as possible. Then they go in with your onions, sweat that for about 10 minutes and it becomes quite jammy and sticky. Then we're just finishing off the sauce with a little bit of sea salt, some cider vinegar and a teaspoon of sugar. And then that's your tomato base done. And as you mentioned earlier, you could pop that into the fridge and then in the next day, or when you want to have your brunch or your lunch, you can reheat that in the pan before the eggs go in. So then the final part is you just make little tiny Dense into your onion mixture, crack in a good quality Waitrose blacktail free range egg, and then they go into the oven for about eight to 10 minutes until they are just cooked through with a little bit of a runny yolk. Sprinkle over some coriander and serve with your sourdough, your bread or your naan.
2: The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about.
1: Virgin Radio.
0: Time to meet my second guest of the day. Queen guitarist, astronomer and knight of the realm, Sir Brian May. Good afternoon, Brian. Hello, Graham. How are you doing? I'm really well. Uh, how's, it, how's the sir fitting? Is, does it feel odd or is it kind of sitting nicely?
4: It's spedding in quite well, thank you. Yeah, I like the sound of it. Really. <laughs> so Brian, I, people call me Sub Brian. Well, yeah, it's nice. You know, it's like getting a star at school. You know, when you get a gold star and say you've done quite well. You know, so giving... <laughs> but I, but I, I kind of feel like it's a responsibility to behave even more decently than I have been trying to up to now. You know, you know what I'm saying?
0: Oh, you've led the- a faultless life, Brian. <laughs>
4: Well, I mean, not exactly, but, but you know, you try to be an example and try to use what power that you've got for, for good, right? You know. This. Well, you're you certainly not of-
0: resting on your you're not resting on your laurels. You are very busy band. Let's start with the Starfleet project. So, a lot of people yeah. won't know about this. It's 40 years since you went off to LA and recorded this music. Uh, tell us, tell us, kind of how that happened and, and what you were up to.
4: Well, we were taking a little bit of a break from Queen because although we're very grateful for what had happened, you know, we established ourselves kind of around the world, but we're slightly getting on each other's nerves, I guess. And, you know, you get a time when you just know you've got to take a break and breathe some air. And I woke up one morning in L.A., which is one of my favorite places in the world, and I feel kind of more alive in L.A. I don't know how you feel. But I just got on the phone and talked to a few mates and said, how about going in the studio and just doing something for the fun of it? Not because we want to make a record, just because we want to play together. Because all of us in our separate groups, and I'm talking about Ed Van Halen from the Van Halen group, who's amazing, incredible, beautiful player, sadly gone now from us. Um, Alan Gratzer from Oreo Speedwagon, also amazing drummer for an amazing group. And Fred Mandel, keyboard player who'd worked with Queen a little bit on Radio Gaga and stuff and delightful phil chen caribbean cockney um who played on a lot of rod stewart records so these we're all different people in different groups and we very seldom get out of our place where we play you know so suddenly i said it's just going so we did that's that's the long story cut short we went in for two days with a little bit of a plan from me a little bit of a template i had this song which was the theme tune of um of a science fiction tv series for kids on saturday mornings called starfleet and my little five-year-old boy jimmy at the time said, you know dad this is really nice you know and i said i could do that i could play that song <laughs> uh i wanted to make a rock epic <laughs> so we go in there and we do it this is 1983 and in the end we did put it out and it did quite well but it's kind of it's a long time ago so people haven't heard it these days i wanted to put it out there and take it to a new generation it's a box set of all the stuff we did now that's the crucial thing what I did at the time was put out the the kind of the result but this time I'm putting out every take of every song we did so it's like a glimpse backstage into the studios at the time you can hear us larking about making mistakes and just just the general vibe of people discovering each other it was a great a great moment in my life.
0: And how did the rest of the band react when this new music came out?
4: I don't think they could care less, really. We're, we're all doing our own thing, you know, and so we we genuinely did kind of disappear to the four corners of the earth and just get on with stuff. And it was great because we were all refreshed when we came back to being Queen again. And, you know, you're coming back sometime, I think it's sort of one vision time, and um, live aid and all that sort of stuff, you know. So it, it, was, it was a good time for me to get out there and, and just get refreshed, do stuff in a different
0: place with different air to breathe. And was there ever a sense that you wouldn't come back? You know, did you need to leave each other in order to miss each other? Like when you you said, oh, this is a break, were some of you thinking, yeah, break, I'm not going back?
4: (laughs) Well, I think you have moments of thinking, oh God, I can't deal with this anymore. There must be better out there, you know, grass is greener. But I think we had a, a good consciousness of the fact that together as a band, we had a lot more power. Uh, then separately and we had something amazing going on I think we were conscious of that even though it was painful and pretty pretty gruesome at times you know we really got under each other's um, skins at times it was hard but that's it's like a marriage you know you you know you kind of love each other but you actually <laughs> sometimes want to kill each other
0: and Brian there is such energy and that sense of just young men reveling in their own kind of talent and brilliance. It must bring out bring back such happy memories.
4: It really does. Very really nostalgic for me. It's amazing. It was, it was so full of joy and adrenaline. We're just enjoying each company, each other's company. And, uh, yeah, it brings it all back. And, of course, that that magnificent solo is not me. That's Ed Van Halen doing his incredible stuff, like he did for Michael Jackson on Beat It. He just came in, and I wanted to give him that platform to just let rip. Very seldom that he stepped outside the group to do that. So I feel very honoured
0: that this happened at all. Well, that whole thing, it's a a big box set, all of that material, uh, that is out now. We should also say you have an extraordinary exhibition um, at proud galleries in london it's running till the 23rd of september and it's queen will rock you in 3d so what do people see when they get to the proud gallery
4: (laughs) well they see a lot of stuff they see some history of 3d as well um going back to the 1850s and they say queen they see queen in 3d because i took my 3d camera with me on tour all the time that we were having those glory days and whatever and i still do um, and 3d is something magnificent i'm an evangelist i just think everything should be in 3d because why would you not do that if you can make a beautiful three-dimensional image as opposed to a flat image that you put on the wall why wouldn't you do it all the time so go there and get immersed in 3d stuff and you will see yes you'll also see we were rock you and the cast of we were rock you looking like live and 3d like you could touch him on stage also, luckily, you can go and see the real thing. You can go and see just up the road as we were in, in the colosseum. Yeah, I hope you've been, Graham. If not, you've got to come. In the I have,
0: of course. I, of course, I've been. It's a lovely. It sounds like the perfect day out. But tell me this: what people are seeing? Are they seeing three D, three D photographs?
4: That's right, three D photographs. Yeah, done in the Victorian way, which hasn't actually been better. You know, it's it's something like Avatar, but you know, better. <laughs>
0: And so the camera you were on tour with, like, so that technology hasn't changed. That, that, that technology is still the same.
4: Well, it hasn't changed that much since the 1850s. It's been refined a little bit, but basically it's about getting your left eye to see something different from your right eye. So you use some kind of device to make that happen. And then you get this incredible reconstruction, which happens in your brain, where you see the universe in a real way, in real depth. So I love it. I've always been kind of uh, an advocate of it ever since I got a, a card in a Weetabix packet which showed me a 3D uh, hip, hippopotamus. Um, hey, but
0: I'm, <laughs> sh- I'm sure, Brian, a lot of people have asked you about this then. Have you been to see the ABBA Voyage, the, the kind of whatever that is? I don't know whether it's no. 3D or holograms.
4: No, I haven't yet, but I definitely would like to, yeah. I mean, I actually love ABBA. I've got to say, you know, the, the, as smiths, they're unequalled really in this. In their century, you know, yeah, yeah, I'd love to see it, and I will see it. Definitely go and see it. We've messed with stuff like that for Queen. We've talked about and looked at very seriously holograms of Freddie and stuff. But so far, we so far we haven't done it because I think the emphasis with us is always being live. So we have a little bit of stuff of Freddie. You know, I, I don't know if you remember, but I I do love of my life generally, and Freddie comes in and joins me at the end when we do our live shows, but it's not a hologram. It's just kind of old school technology, which we kind of like. Nevertheless, I can't wait to see the ABBA thing. I'm sure they've done a brilliant job.
0: I think it might give you ideas, Brian, because it it, it does feel live. It's a very, see what you think, yeah. see what you think. It's, I, think yeah. I think we might, I, it'll be interesting to see who does it next, because clearly, you know, yeah. what, there's going to be a big legacy band like Queen or like Bowie. Somebody else is going to do to do it next i don't i don't know who but queen would seem prime candidates for it with with your back catalogue we
4: would we would in a sense but i mean in a sense the thing is i guess we we are still a live band and i think that's the emphasis on us really abba don't want to go out and play live anymore and and actually they never did that much playing live although they're a wonderful band in the studio but for us the live thing is it and i think if we had too much holograms and stuff going on people would stop realizing that with us it's live and dangerous with no backing tracks no clicks no nothing we'd love to be live and dangerous that's it so i think that's our emphasis for the time being now when we're all all gone yeah sure make an a thing about us you know <laughs> but
0: while i'm here i
4: want to play live right? i don't want to be a hologram be me
0: uh- But if people can't see you playing live, they can hear all the music in We Will Rock You. There's a new production at the London Coliseum that's playing on the 27th of August. And so Ben Elton is in this production.
4: He is. The writer and producer and creator is in it, yeah, for a limited period only. I can't believe he's done this, doing eight shows a week. I mean, he's put his whole life on hold to just go in there and, I was going to say, be a lovely, be an artist on stage. You know, and he's he's incredible. He's amazing. Of course, nobody can interpret his script like he can. And um, the show's twice as long, but you know, it, it's, it's... <laughs> no, I'm joking, joking. He improvises. I mean, you have a real world class comic on stage a stand up guy, so he can make make it what he wants in the night so it, it's a very live experience to see now it's something quite amazing i do recommend you see it because it won't last very long you know we, we have a limited time period yeah. in the yeah
0: uh, let me remind everybody then so that's at the coliseum till the 20 uh, 27th of august uh, till the 23rd of september you can go to see um the queen we will rock you in 3d your exhibition at the proud galleries and of course starfleet project all of that out in this beautiful box set uh, for people to enjoy. Uh, so Brian May, thank you so much for joining us. Um, okay. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you so much for listening today. You can catch the Graham Norton Radio Show every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio. Follow us on all of our socials and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find all the best bits from De DeCrow's Sunday session the
2: Graham Norton Radio
1: Show. With Waitrose, food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.